Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Mellencon from Debacle Records. Each week we pick a Rancid song, or in this case Rancid adjacent song, and talk about it and all our complicated feelings. So this week was my pick, and to get in the holiday spirit, I don't know what the fuck that means, but... Uh, just gonna we just <laughs> I don't even know we're gonna talk about one of the all-time may, maybe the all-time great song Tim Armstrong is involved in mm-hmm. Operation Ivy's sound system Sound System is, of course, by Operation Ivy. Uh, was released... Oh, I guess I didn't get the release date on the notes. But it was in 1989, I believe. At least the, like, comp is in 1989, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the EP came out in 88, and Energy originally came out in ni- 99. Oh, okay. And then the, really the comp came out in 91. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, yeah, it's... The... Songwriting credits for opera for like the whole op pretty much the whole album is lyrics by Jesse, music by Lint, of course, Tim's uh, what he was known by back then. It just but it usually just says music by either Operation Ivy or Lint slash Operation Ivy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then of course, Operation Ivy was Tim Armstrong and Matt Freeman from Rancid. Dave Mello on drums and Jesse Michaels on vocals. Um, one of the things I love about Energy is uh, so like that cover art image is so iconic, and that's Jesse's art, which we will talk a lot about Jesse. Um, but he's and depending on I guess I don't know his his art is kind of more his thing than music and has been since Operation Ivy. Um, which I think is interesting, but yeah, so sound system, fuck, like <laughs> this is, so, you know, we've talked about radio and I can't, and I was trying to remember this. This is like really embarrassing because but we've done 30 of these. So there was some, what was the song we did? And we were like, oh, this is like radio, like the continuation. Didn't we have this conversation? This is uh, somebody was, wasn't it? Um, Somebody was making fun of radio as a musical theater song and the fact that it was like a rewritten sound system. No, but I thought there was like, we we talked about, I'd have to, like I should go through our episode list, but some rancid song, like the theme, it was like a later song felt almost like like a continuation of, yeah, and now, but I, okay, I don't know. I got what you're saying, I, uh. I mean, I'm, they did. He he does return to this a lot, but I mean, obviously, radio for sure is like a, the the next one in that series, right? Right, but like this is the one. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. The whole. You know, music as. This 
saving for like not saving but you know what i mean like god it's and it's yeah it's like it's like it's so high level because jesse is good at doing that right like right speaking in a matter of fact way but in a philosophical approach of like none of this matters but it all totally matters sort of thing Mm -hmm. and and you know it's the same sentiment as radio and some of these other rancid songs of music saves and music is just this like ephemeral thing that means nothing but it's like way more interesting that you know it has more legacy and importance than Mm -hmm. just living and dying you know and uh and I mean, I, I, th- thought- I think that's kind of, you know, I mean, it's an overall thesis of all but like Jesse's, you know, God, his, I mean, his lyrics, his delivery, the way he's saying it's so, it's so like on a different level to me than any of the rancid stuff. <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, he kind of has this, like, he seemed so mature for his age. Yeah. <clears throat> and he, he had was, the, fil- cause he's, a, he was like the youngest guy, I think. Cause Tim, oh really? Like Tim is four or five years older, and Matt's Matt's around Tim's age, oh. a little bit younger. But Jesse, I think Dave. I mean, was, Jesse was like fifteen. Like he was he was born in. I looked it up. Hang on. So he was born in sixty nine, and Tim was born, I believe, in sixty five. Wow. So so he would have been twenty when this was going on. But um, let me look. Maybe Tim. Maybe yeah. Tim was born in sixty five. Okay, yeah. I thought they were a little bit younger than that, but yeah, for some reason. Um, I mean, 87 when they started, he would have been 18, 17, 18. Okay, so okay, okay. I guess that's young. where, that's probably what I locked into is they're right. all 17, 18, and really that was just Jesse because he was younger. Yeah. Um, anyway. Really mature, thoughtful guy. Obviously, you know, like I actually remember I did or threatened to do, I can't remember if I did in high school or threatened to do in high school, the fact that like this is basically Schopenhauer. This is basically like the thought of like nothing matters and nothing is real. It's like Kantian sort mm-hmm. of like, uh, exis- you know, proto existentialism, kind of a little bit of Eastern philosophy. But Schopenhauer always was like, well, and then there's art, which is the good and the perfect, you know, but it means nothing, you know. And he always talked about music being the most. And he was this weird old crank that I don't think is like that great to really <laughs> d- dive deep into. But like I, at the time, I was like, wow, this guy who like took Kantian stuff and added this whole idea of like art and, and sort of representation. And God, mm-hmm. it's been a while, so I shouldn't talk about this too much because people will <laughs> happily me, correct but, you. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I remember being like, oh, that's, that." you know, like a lot of people talked about how Socratic knowledge is all I know is that I don't know nothing. You know, people mm-hmm. would always talk about Socrates and like, uh, I think he was like a budding philosophy guy. So like, I think a lot of this is on purpose. Right. Um, but uh, it is pretty amazing how thoughtful, how eloquent and like high minded it is while being very easy to understand. Yeah. You know, and and it's like. Yeah, it is ten times more, I don't know, direct and thoughtful than most Tim stuff. But, like, what I also like about this song is it's the most rancidy Op Ivy song, right. too. Right, that's true. So it's such an interesting, like, all the there's a lot of Tim on this, right? Um, right. And, I mean, uh, we hear the beginning of Tim's, like, rappy rap. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like, I know. It's like that thing of, like... Tim's been doing this from the first second, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and his, you know, it's very Tim. It's just talking about a moment. He woke up, like, like you know, it's that classic, like, 
you know, and it's he tells it from the personal, and Jesse tells it from the philosophical, like the universal. And I mean, he says it personal, like my music, you know, like it's still about him. And but like, I think it's a great contrast to the two people who mm-hmm. you know would diverge at one at pretty soon after this. And like, you have but they obviously love very similar things they the two writing styles mesh really really well on this song it's one of those Uh, that you know and i think i've been thinking about this a lot this week is how you know you tim when you think about just his whole like history of he has whenever he finds that person like because you think you know you think about lars era rancid versus the that came what came before it especially like you know we've talked we were talking about out from the wolves last time and mm-hmm. it's he when he has that connection because i think he and jesse have this very it it just works right it works yeah. so uh, it's really amazing to see how it el- like and, and it not only elevates him but i think he elevates i mean we i we know less with Jesse because he has less of a tracker. Like, in you know, Jesse's post Op Ivy stuff is fine. Like, I actually really like Big Rig, but in, but it's not Op Ivy. Like, it, it's not. Yeah, rancid. I remember like in the first Common Rider. Just yeah, saying. but it, um, it, it. But then you think like think about anything, like Lars has done outside of Rancid. Like, some of it's fine. Some of it's not. <laughs> But and like, a lot of it is basically written with Tim anyways. Right. I mean? like, well, that's true, too. But, I mean, it's like... Both the Lars solo albums are completely co-written by Tim. I, I think that's one of Tim's greatest strengths is that sort like, of ability. facilitator. Yeah. yeah. So, But it's, like, the thing that freaks us out about him a little bit, too, of, like, he has to inject himself at all times. You know what I mean? And right. To... Well, I th- and what's interesting, like, with Op Ivy in the sense that is, you know, I mean... Tim's like this is probably the song other than Bad Town that he's on the most I would guess. Yep. Um, like Jesse is very much at the front. Yes. And it's it's a little bit of that thing. Like I th- I'm sure there's the the right sport where sometimes it's like there's two superstars and it's not going to work because they both want the ball. Sort of. Right. It must be a basketball thing. But like you could tell I don't know much. But um, <laughs> that you hear that sometimes. Like sometimes it doesn't work to have two frontmen. Right? right. Like and. I think that's kind of what we're starting to see here. Though I it's not, you know, there's no truth to like Tim didn't leave to go do something else. Op Ivy couldn't stay together and right. for whatever reason and then Tim kind of spiraled and then Rancid was like a way to get him out of the spiral like right. many years later. So like it isn't like that. It isn't as clean as that like they both needed to shine or whatever, but like you get a sense of like oh, Tim's going to be somebody like in this song especially i mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. you're like oh he's got the he's got something it's it's kind of this mushmouth interesting thing but you know like it's got his proto rancid you know oh, it's, yeah. rockabilly guitar intro it's right. got uh, the ska thing it's got the rapping thing like he, you're starting to see i mean tim is tim all the way back then you know and uh matt and we shouldn't ignore that like matt is also part of like wrapped up in that very heavily right mm-hmm. right um, R- right you know he did quite a lot of vocals and basic radio in this too and like you know like he was again like rancid there was a lot of forces at work here a lot of like strong personalities at work it seems like and uh but yeah it is really interesting to listen to the song again like after 
doing 30 episodes of this, you know, 30 odd episodes right. of her, and just be like, A, Jesse is flat out awesome, just like, oh my I god, as a vocalist, I, like his, yeah, work, oh my, like even listening to, you know, because I've listened to the whole thing, the whole album, or I guess compilation, many, many times this week, and God. Like he he does things that you know like Lars is a great singer. Don't get me wrong. Like I have a lot of respect for Lars, and you know we've talked about he really tries to push himself sometimes. But Jesse's just man, man. Well, he really like took something interesting, kind of the way Fugazi did and stuff. That like took the hardcore vocals and like took them to a new place. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of took them to a kind of you know he's pretty. You know, he's pretty early in his singing career. He would he would become a very good singer later. You know, um, I think I think he's like kind of shockingly clean later on, right? In a good way, and, but like trying to find these like melodic hooks, kind of on the edges of the screamy parts. You know what I mean? Uh, and like, you know, this is not divorced so much from the you know Gravity Records stuff, but he's you know like in the same way as those guys took the hardcore vocals in a certain way, or in the Fugazis and the Jawboxes took it in another way, and like. Finding ways to interject melody, melody and like timbre and interesting yeah. personality into it, like he's like a prototype. Like he's one of the yeah. like vocal styles that have. I, I feel I mean, like you know I've really enjoyed turnstile, right? Um, in the last few years, and like every other sucker, um, <laughs> I mean they're very popular. But uh, I see a lot of Jesse in that guy's vocals. You know what I mean? A lot of Jesse in that guy's vocals. Yeah. No, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, and I think. To that point, and, and I think about this a lot, like with a lot of his lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this was thirty plus years ago, mm-hmm. and it and I mean a lot of his. I was I was listening to um, Vulnerability earlier. It's like you could write this song right now, and it would be current and poignant right now. Oh yeah, and for it's sure. thir- and but I think like even like his vocals were like you said he was kind of one of the first, and you can hear it now. And it's, um, I mean I think there's a. Op Ivy was just kind of well, maybe not as ahead of their time as we thought, because you know, with the up to no, like, but I mean, but they did take a. It was just like you said, there's a lot of different forces coming together. Um, I mean, if you put it in context of like Rights of Spring was and the Summer of Love DC scene was the same time, you know what I mean? Like this was the West Coast sunny version of that realization that hardcore had to to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Right, and like. They had more of a, a California vibe, and they had more of a um, ska influence from the from the bands like Basic Radio and uh, up set up, up. What what are they called? Uptones. <laughs> Uptones. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I was like, what? Uh, but like you know, and all these you know the, these sort of specials influences right. and all this stuff. Uh, it was it was a really inspired place to take it. But to your point, he then like he the vocal style is one thing. But then every four lines are some of the best right. <laughs> little truths nuggets you've heard out of a hardcore singer. Right. It, you know, like, I think the, the two resist despair little interjection part where it's like, oh, my God. Like, I know. It's like a micro bridge, like, right in the middle of the song. And it's like. Oh, it's incredible. Like, in, in the way and in, in the way each line kind of builds on and like it's it's, you know. Yeah. And it ends with to resist despair in the world is what it means to be free or what it is. To yeah. Be. It's like, Jesus Christ. 
what it is, what it is. I love that, like what it is, what yeah. it is, what it is. Mean free, uh, be free. I just, oh my god. Yeah. Uh it's it's incredible. And like the core thoughts of this are like you know, basically music means something even though it doesn't mean anything and uh you know, hope is important and you know, hearing music and going and being and things is going to light me back up and I and you know, the world is kind of weird and bleak at times and but like having and a lot of it it's about this thing of like you want to fix the world and one of the big things I think as a thoughtful teenager, usually the thing that's so hard is you go, I have so few levers to go work on the world, so why would I try? <laughs> and he's saying like, look, you get little bumps of, of joy here and there that helps you keep going and you should try. But if nothing else, to just not give in to that sort of doom and gloom, you know, like this is his core philosophy, you know, mm-hmm. this is why he's not just... Um, off being in a in a straightforward hardcore band or right. like a metalcore yeah. band, right? Is that he's saying like you you need a little bit of joy t- coming from the sound system, or or you're just sort of giving in to what this horrible shit. And it's like that's I mean, there's a lot more nuance to that conversation. Being a white male is, is a big part of that, but like, right? Like, what a great message for you know the, the mostly young men of of mm-hmm. you know Gilman Street to hear. As a formative thing, then like, no effects, you know, right? Like, which they also heard, but and I, you know, have moments of things I liked early on about no effects, but I mostly am just like, why are you getting in your own way? You know, it's just that classic like, damaged person getting in their own way constantly. Um, But like, you know, he he took the fact that he was semi enlightened for his age and made sure. He made a product that was interesting to the people around him and influential to the people around him. And I am certain there's there's a lot of people who have sort of a positive mindset and a and a sort of um, you know a lot of people don't understand that like um, uh, why am I blanking uh, existentialism is a freeing concept. It's right. about freedom and that it's up to you to apply meaning, right? That's a lot of what the song is, right? And so it's like getting kind of a lesson in that sort of existentialism of like, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. It's not an outside force is like, that probably was pretty impactful, like on a certain oh. strata of people, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, well, and it's, it's, yeah, and especially, you know, coming from, I mean, in like, in that scene at that time, Op Ivy were the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and so I can only, I mean, I, I know when I first heard it, which was later after the, you know, broke it, like it was very formative and inspiring and all those things for me. So I can only imagine being there and being sort of part of it. Yeah. Um, like if you were at Gilman during this period, what were the other bands? There's that like punk band, um, wasn't RKL kind of around at that time? 
yeah Southern i mean california and, uh, i don't because i actually do want to like go is that just hey geography that they were the best or like who did they look up to in the gilman scene like who was the rest of the gilman scene so or, like crimp know, like, shrine was pretty yeah they were really big um it, was, it must have been other lookout bands uh, right i mean that was i mean i guess green day wasn't there yet because green day no. looked up to them um yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder Shine like, is, I know, is one of the big ones. Yeah, you're right. That's the one that jumps out to me too. Um, and wasn't Jesse involved at some point? He was in. I think he was in a band with um, Comet Bus. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I can't. I, I'm now. I'm like, I've got the. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm researching as we talk here. I'm now. I'm like looking <laughs> to see. I'm like, what was on Lookout? Hey, pre- Brad. Do you want to? Do you want to read Wikipedia to us? Yes. Let me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's other, like Crim Shrine's the one that always comes to mind because they were. Is that when Antichrist was a thing, too? That like thing Matt was in for like five minutes. Hmm. I, I don't know. know. Uh. Yeah. MTX experience isn't that? Yeah, MTX was. They were. They were really early. Um, were they from at. Seattle originally? Oh, I thought were they. No, no. I, I thought they Berkeley. were. I thought they were another yeah. Berkeley. Um, yeah, I, you know that's an interesting. I wonder who. Dropbreaker was later, right? Yeah, and kind of different scene, wasn't it? Anyways, this is again. This is yeah. Delightful. Sorry, I'm sure to hear us listen, but right. But but I, yeah, I, I do wonder that how much of that is like because they are in in the. Um, you know, in 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 the rearview mirror, it's like it's so obvious that they were like so much more interesting than most bands. I just want to know, like, were they the quote unquote turnstile of their day, like the one that everybody like kind of looked up to and um, kind of broke out, or were they just another one of them? And there's some other bands that were like doing more interesting stuff. I too. mean, I, I would say you know one of the thinking about like who they uh, looked up to, you know, the Uptones would be probably one yeah, of the yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, <laughs> um, good one. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, f- again, like I came to look out that whole scene post Op Ivy, so I like, so yeah, the narrative yep. had already been written. But it yep. seems like them and the and Crimpshine, those are the two that always like kept coming. I mean, because like Screeching Weasel and stuff that was later, and that's kind of different. Like I don't think that was different. I mean, it was obviously all very lookout, and um, yep. but it, I have a hard time imagining like jesse and ben weasel getting along <laughs> like, oh maybe who knows but. yeah yeah i mean maybe ben weasel in like 1990 something is different like ben, ben different weasel thing. 2000 yeah exactly yeah. um but yeah uh where are we going with that i don't know um <laughs> well i mean like there is some thing to be said about like op ivy being like kind of one of those bands that have like a, a big part of the nineties was making mythology out of punk rock, you know, and, you know, which, which doesn't like that, you know, it's right. not really built for that. And, That's and, the Nirvana, the K record, all this stuff. Right? Sure. Well, and here's an interesting, and I, and again, I don't know, but you know, there's part of me that thinks, you know, we are a rancid podcast. So like Wait, how really? much is rancid's longevity and success fed into op ivy's sort of deification right like yeah yeah um i mean i i it's also inner 
connected. It, yeah, exactly. Either. But uh, but like when in '95, when the when you go read those reviews about the Bulls, like you know, seven out of ten are gonna be talking about well, how it's like the oh. heir apparent of Op Ivy, right? You know. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, if if Rant, what if Rance had only did two records, like you know, let's go, and that was it, and they never heard from them again. Like, what would the view of op would it, yeah it would have been like the weird like big rigger one of the like right, after right. the fact right <laughs> right like, oh, then they had that little swing on others band you know like that that would be what people would you know like right. social d and rancid and swing on others right like right. it'd be such a simplification of it you know right <coughs> uh, that's interesting it's also like a thing that i think is super interesting and very relevant is i think it is 100 percent you are allowed to like op ivy no matter what you know and again this is bullshit rules and weird like sure. perception so like this is against our opinion as, of the podcast but like there is a truth to it is okay to like op ivy and actually encouraged and liking rancid feels like a step too far which yeah in light of like them being shitheads got it but like even if you took that away i think Rancid would be seen as a little bit more juvenile and a little less um, thinking man, you know, like because of the Jesse factor. Right. And I, I think some of what we're doing is pushing back against that saying like there is this great American rock and roll band inside of Rancid, you know. But um, but yeah, I think it's so interesting that like kind of like Fugazi, like what are the things that are like kind of people hold on to mm-hmm. as they leave that scene? And it's like Op Ivy, Fugazi, you know, um certain gravity bands you know like all right. these things that you know sunny day real estate you know whatever you know like they you have your four or five that you're like well these were bigger and more important than just like i like hardcore or whatever you know what i mean right. um and 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 it, like it's like <clears throat> you get no flack for being like hey i threw on energy the other day and i just like couldn't believe how great it was and then if you're like dude ruby soho people are like all right calm down <laughs> you know right. what I mean? like yeah i mean and i think well, and I think it's, and you kind of, I think, already said this, but I think it's the Jesse factor. Like, mm-hmm. and you think of his, and, and it's the messages of the songs. And the, I mean, like, sonically, it's great. And it's, but like, it's it's him. I mean, you know, not I'm not trying to sell like Tim or Matt or any, or Dave, like, short. But to me, the thing, it's his lyrical content his the way he his singing style the like all the stuff he try you know that is what takes it up like what where if you know well and i mean a lot of people can't do rancid because they can't deal with tim's vocals yeah 100 yeah. um like and, and so i and i get that like i you know i'm on record for however many hours of this podcast exists being like totally i love tim's vocals so um <laughs> you know mats are the ones on the other hand uh, <laughs> it's a bridge too far but um yeah i know I, I think that's i i think that's definitely a, a thing where it's like yeah you can i can totally like if you love op ivy but rancid is not you know you're probably not listening to this podcast very much but you might listen to this episode i guess if that's <laughs> <laughs> i think that a lot of our um kind of uh weirdo music friends that are like i don't really care about an answer but i like listening to you guys talk about something you like they're there's a like higher than zero percent chance they're like oh yeah i love off ivy but I, yes. I never got into rancid you know what i mean 
Um, yeah, which is there's something like it's a, on the approved list of things you should go listen to as you're right. becoming a like which a is, music nerd, and it's right? interesting too because a lot of those people are around our age, like or younger yeah. even, and so obviously, Rancid was the one that was around while we were. Yeah, it's growing. not like I ever had a chance. To, I, I was a tiny kid, you know, when when Opie yeah, was I around. I mean, yeah, they broke up when I was ten, so uh. yeah, I was like <laughs> six or seven. You know what I mean? Like. I, like uh it was five i think actually like basically so yeah exactly like um there is like an enduring like when you get handed your like american hardcore you know or or you know 70s 80s punk rock you know you're like here's the two clash records and then here's op ivy and here's you know Husqvarna and fugazi and yeah exactly like there's just this canon and they are the one that's like and then there's this fun band called op ivy you know like right like and I think that every they're they're just interesting enough that like all the people into all that other stuff can like go okay, and then I'll allow I'll allow that that one ska band, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I think that that legacy is so interesting. Like like Op Ivy, people just go yeah, I love Op Ivy, and the Rancid's gonna be a lot more divisive. And then of course Rancid did, did themselves no favors by being kind of shitheads at times. Right, um, not kind of shitheads, being shitheads at times. Well, and it's um, and it's a whole other thing too when it's like you have you know one great album and ep and that's it and oh, then you know. yeah we, we can't miss that that like when you break up with this like kind of shitty sounding you know uh perfect little like uh, diy yeah. gem you know you're gonna be treated in a different way than if you kept going right, right. Like, and, just... and if you made out come the dominoes or whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, honors all the dominoes uh, <laughs> honor us all the dominoes uh, I, I do want to say, I remember when I was talking to my wife about Op Ivy and being like, okay, you're not going to love Ranted, but like, I think you probably know and will like Op Ivy. And she, we, we listened to a couple songs and, uh, she was like, oh yeah, yeah. I even know this song. And, and, um, I, I was encouraging her to listen to it a little bit more and man, that, uh, remaster 2007, I guess it was, mm-hmm. I hadn't. It's like every time I put it on, I'm sure I've done this like four or five times over the years. I'm like, I wish I had this because like early CD mastering was so bad. You know what I mean? Right. And they, 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 that CD came out in 91 and they didn't change that master, I'm sure, forever. Until 2007. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so like, uh, it's still the same recordings. Like they didn't actually do much, but like it's just a little bit better mastering and, uh, you know, I, I think back to that early repeater CD of Fugazi, like the repeater plus whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it sounds God awful, you know, and, it, oh, yeah. and the music does not deserve to sound so bad, especially on CD, which is supposed to be pristine, you know, like the truth is early CDs sounded like ass because yep. nobody knew how to transfer, right. you know, which is interesting because that in the production notes, like John Golden did the mastering on this album. John Golden is like, you know legend of um i I mean dude has mastered everything but yeah it sounded like shit (laughs) but i think he did did the original mastering i believe so i believe so wow but again i mean i i think you're right like back then nobody knew what the hell they were doing yeah i think i think cd transfers were really flawed at the time and getting things from tape to Mm-hmm. to cd um especially like after the you know the vinyl had come out for a few years like 
was a nightmare and and i think you can go read articles and go watch videos about like what a mess the 80s and the early 90s were for cd transfers and stuff and uh yeah we're lucky to have such a nice oh i know not not like two punched up but a lot nicer master and and i think that was a barrier of entry even the first couple times i listened to it on when i got the cd and i was like ah, i like this but man (laughs) this is some rough rough sounding stuff (laughs) and i was you know kind of into right but like um because they you know they're like demos plus you know they're like barely above a demo right you know right yeah um i think so one of the things too i want to talk about is so do we think that there's ever going to be a reunion because obviously there was the sort of mini you know they did sound system earlier this year where where i guess it was tim time bomb or i don't know was playing some some benefit yeah something and, he seems pretty involved in yeah and, in LA. and jesse came out, out and they did sound system which you could which it's interesting you could tell he was pretty nervous um yeah and then you think about it too it's like okay you can do the one song that vocal that like the first it's it's that's like hard to do the try to describe yeah. it. it's like holy shit man like he, he still got it once he got like, into he, it like once yeah. he kind of got over that initial hump it's like man he's still got it I think he was having some sound or mic problems too in that yeah. video. So like uh, he was a little bit kind of on an island, I think, for a moment there, and he was like, "Oh Jesus." Um, <laughs> I just, but yeah, no, I like he still has his voice. Like he, uh, it was, you know, and he's such a like. Both it's so funny to look at pictures of them and then like look at these burly dudes that they are now. I know. Like, they both have become so burly. Like, so what happens when you get old, man. <laughs> I don't know. They're like, but they're both like kind of, you know, they're obviously like fit. Too, right. You know? yeah, well, like, that's true. Yeah. 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 You know, they're kind of California fit guys. And, uh, and it, yeah, it was cool. I mean, they seem to be hanging out a lot more. There was also that recent tribute that that guy does where he has all these famous people cover a song like together on YouTube. Very Gen Z YouTube thing. They did sound system and like Tony Hawk did the vocals. Oh, wow. And like Tim was like hanging out and showing him the, the guitar from the Op Ivy guitar and like, um, and then there was that weird commercial. I can't. Yeah, that like I, NFT commercial. Yeah, I, what? I, I was never clear what the fuck it was. I don't. And I it was an NFT thing. Okay. It was an NFT party oh. sort of thing. But it was it was so random that like Tim and Jesse were in it in a studio. Like, I wonder if there's also like a little bit of like, can you resuscitate Tim's image if you kind of do it with just alongside Jesse, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if there's any thought around that. I don't know if there's going to be a reunion. I would love to see them. Like, I mean, I would kill to have like a nice new rancid album come out and have a really good, like Jesse song on it. Yeah. That that would would be be what I, that would feel more true to like whatever. And then I, didn't he do a cover of sound system on Tim Tybaum? land in like 2013 too or uh, 14 tim or tim he, and jesse i know uh, jesse I tim and jesse they did, did a well yeah they did like an actual like a new song like they wrote a song oh, did together they? um yeah and it was around that time like 12 or 13 okay. I, and i don't you know god the tim there's so much tim time bomb stuff i can't remember if it's any good but um but it, i know the the it, question is like does tim time bomb stuff count as like finishing out all the rants and stuff because no. we're gonna have a much longer podcast <laughs> no we'll be dead before <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> no I, I mean it was like weekly right was oh like god it was yeah i mean there's there's hundreds yeah and it's um very spotty yeah 
<laughs> Which is fine. I mean, that right. was the idea. Was right. that it was like I'm just hanging out with my friends in the studio and right. just putting things out one by one. Right. Um, and either it's good or bad. But yeah, I don't know, man. I just like Jesse is I, his. Obviously, it's like his art and his writing is more his thing anymore. Um, he was in that like metal band recently. Yeah. Yes. He, he has a. Um, it's all very sporadic, though, right? I mean, it's like it is. I think it's like when he can get together with his friends and. You know, he's not going to be touring a lot or anything right now. No, and I think, I mean, I think he's, I mean, I don't know what his personal life is like, but um, he clearly, I mean, he had a, I've, I've bought a couple of zines that he's done in the last few years. I remember the most recent one was like a chat book. And I remember he put it up on Instagram. He was like, it was like new chat book. It's four poems. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. I mean, they are like, he's, he's still, he's just like such a thoughtful very like this sounds really pretentious but i'm struggling to come up with a better way to say it. he's like this very like kind of deep thinker who mm-hmm. but who's very and this is you know part of what makes op ivy so great and we is how good he is at articulating it in ways that don't sound like like he's not just trying to show how fucking smart he is um no, he's trying to communicate. Yeah. Like, he, he's actually... Like, in the end, he's probably the person, I would guess, goes into politics. Yeah. In a good way. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like local or something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he has this need to get complex ideas across to the average person, I think. Uh, that That's how I perceive it from afar. And it I would not be surprised if he continues to this day, as he's probably developed quite a bit in his, like thought processes i think he still wants it to be highly digestible and clean in his messaging that's the one thing i feel like his stuff it's for how high-minded it is he really wants it to be a clean message you know yeah like so and yeah and i and that is just all over op ivy and why 30 years later so much of it is like this is just as current and just as like this message is just as potent and um needed <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's good to break it into op ivy and but the one thing i will say it's a good pick because this is the most tim and rancid you you can hear mm-hmm. that i can remember inside of op ivy and it's such a cool kind of moment of like oh you can kind of see see the two things at once you know you can see right. where rancid and op ivy meet and and uh it's a cool song that like you you feel like you know it but coming back and really thinking about it critically you're just like i get blown away again by the lyrics and get blown away by the structure i love the breakdown and i love the again like i said to resist is a that that little four-liner is kind of out of nowhere too you know like they do these nice little like more angular shifts Mm -hmm. than than rancid does and uh it's it's really fun so uh it's a good pick yeah i think yeah I had something to say and I forgot what it was so (laughs) cut on it's a good pick yeah it's a good pick the end okay so speaking of good picks Uh, yeah I (laughs) do you have a pick I kind of didn't but uh I mostly because I was like oh I wanted to avoid this but why I think there's actually a great little sequel so we go all the way back to 88, 89 and see, you know, skank it to the rhythm with the music by my side. <laughs> and we go all the way forward to whatever, 17 or oh. 
And um, I've been wanting to talk about, though I think it might be one of those ones where we talk about it and there's not a lot to say other than it's a really fun song. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm a little worried about it, but uh, I think Where I'm Going is one of the best song, rancid songs uh, in the in the 2000s. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. I think the, like, the Troublemaker track five. Yeah. I think post rancid 2000, like, yeah. It may be the best post-Rancid 2000 It's, it's really, really good. good. It's like some of the best Lars on that album. And it's, it yeah. is, maybe, yeah, it might be the best ska track they've done since Life Won't Wait. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 really it's kind good. of shocking how good it is. It's kind of like the better version of Up to No Good, where it's just trying to be a really fun poppy ska song it's, you know it's also the moment and i'm i should save this but whatever um it's also for me it's the moment on troublemaker where it goes from like i'm listening to it I'm like hey this is all right to be like wait there might be something here <laughs> yes yeah 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 um so oh that's a great pick that's just yeah and i like yeah bookend like oldest yeah newest, exactly. so exactly we, we heard tim talking about that music means a lot to him and skanking to the music of the rhythm by my side and here we go, you know, in 2017, they're still putting out remarkably fun <laughs> ska songs, you know, like kind of shockingly good ska yeah. songs. So. Good deal. Awesome. Um, cool. All right. Well, everybody, always, as always, thanks for listening. Find us on Twitter and on Instagram, or at least as long as Twitter exists. Um, <laughs> and and, oh, and I'm going down with the ship. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Like, yeah. I, I, o- I want to see I, what it looks like. I live in Oklahoma, like willingly. So Twitter is nothing. Like that's I'm <laughs> gonna see a dumpster fire if I can come here. Um anyway. So yeah, Twitter and Instagram at RancidPod and next week we will once again see you in the pit. hi yeah that one went i don't know what the fuck i like it it sounded like you got dropped it's like yeah somebody just pulled the chair out from under me